watches a scary movie. I'm T, and of course, we are talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, full episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, the video version on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And then you have the audio version that goes up half an hour earlier on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. But if you get subscribed to my link tree, which is linktr.ee slash T Scary Movie, you'll be able to keep up with notifications of not just full episodes that go up, not just links to my written reviews on Letterboxd, not just links to my TikTok page where I'm uploading fun music trivia and stuff like that for y'all as well too. But you'll also be able to keep alert of other reviews I'm putting up as well too. For example, I did release a review this week for Scream 6 finally. Uh, that's not a full episode, even though the length of which might say it's a full episode. But you'll get alerted for any and all reviews that I'm putting up, which you're going to want to stay tuned to because while I'm talking the finale of The Last of Us and Unwelcome tonight on the show, uh, I will be releasing later this week a review on the latest Children of the Corn movie. And then next week, got multiple reviews coming out for y'all as well, too. So get subscribed so you can stay alert on everything that's going on. So, as I said, we got a good show for you here tonight. We are going to be talking about episode nine, the final season one episode of The Last of Us. I know I'm a week past it, but if you watched my Scream 6 review or you watched my episode prior to that, folks, I went on vacation. So I'm only back now, only just got a chance to watch this review or watch this episode, even though I know what happens. I played the games, but uh, I'm releasing my thoughts here tonight on that episode. And we're also going to talk about a, uh, a fun little creature feature invasion thriller called unwelcome so i don't want to waste any time let's jump right into it here and folks we're going to talk first about unwelcome so uh unwelcome definitely has this distinction of joining a list of horror films that set the viewer up for expecting one certain type of horror movie only to change that structure or subgenre, if you will halfway through now, this isn't anything revolutionary or, uh, or, or or brand new. You know, we've had gems like Psycho from Dust Till Dawn, Cabin in the Woods, Sunshine have all pulled this off rather effortlessly. But uh, you got legendary filmmakers out there like Quentin Tarantino who did have issues pulling this off. Uh, by chance, if you happen to see the theatrical version of Death Proof, that's the one that came out in the double feature on Grindhouse with Planet Terror and was initially released to DVD. Uh, unfortunately, that movie was a good example of not having that proper balance that you need to come off as like two different thrilling movies put together. And instead, it seems almost like the best comparison I can give you is like one of the CW team up episodes for all their superhero shows that you're just trying to stuff as much in from all these different shows and something gets left out. It's not a perfect balance and the narrative just doesn't fit the way that you might necessarily want. It's a bit too ambitious for its own good. Although I should mention the extended version of Death Proof absolutely fixes that issue. But that's what I mean is that there's horror movies out there that takes two completely different movies and puts them together into one. And I don't mean like an anthology film, but like, again, to just go off of Death Proof, 
the first half of Death Proof is like this slasher film where this guy is hunting down these women in his car. But then the second film doesn't feel that same way at all. The second film is like this old 70s road action thriller movie to where, yeah, he was still like the, the killer stuntman Mike is still hunting these girls down. But now these girls have turned the table and they're trying to get revenge on him. And again, it's two different movies being put together. Not a lot of horror movies do that, but the ones that do it great, it's a work of art. And it's interesting because earlier this year, I did see a film that unsuccessfully went that route. You might remember I talked about it. There's something wrong with the children. And during my watch here of Unwelcome, I found myself growing worried that uh, this might turn out the same because it was taking a little bit to get going. And while there are definitely some balancing and some pacing issues here with the film, I was actually pretty pleased to see that there were a couple of really fun, entertaining movies put together to make one good one here. Now, even if neither of those were able to truly reach the, the lofty ideas they had within, this still ended up being a really, really entertaining movie that I had a lot of fun with. Hannah John Kamen, who you might know from Killjoys or Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, and Douglas Booth from a Jupiter Ascending or The Dirt, uh, star as Maya and Jamie, an expecting couple looking for a fresh start in Ireland after surviving a vicious attack by hoodlums in their home of London. Now, after moving into their new home, they're warned to leave an offering every day out for the almost fairy tale like Redcaps who live in the forest behind their home to avoid occurring their wrath. They also find themselves having to deal with a local family led by Cole Meany, who you might know from Con Air or more popularly Star Trek The Next Generation. I say more popularly are more popular but uh i know that con air is like a lot of y'all love con air i don't get it doesn't do anything for me at all but whatever uh but uh this local family led by cole Meany, who are hired to fix up their home who don't turn out to be what they seem and the first half of this film features uh features numerous characters being used to explain the lore of these red cap creatures and seemingly setting up a lot of foreshadowing for later in the film uh, which makes it all the more confusing that the Red Cabs don't actually play much of a central role until much later. I mean, make no mistake, all these tales that these characters are telling about the Red Caps turn out to be true, but the payoff takes quite a bit longer than I think most will like to get there. Like, you might want to get that a little bit sooner, and they're not featured as early and as such a heavy presence as I kind of felt that they needed to be. It's also confusing that so much importance is placed on the symbiotic relationship between uh, the Red Caps and the owner of this house because I think it sets up this expectation, uh, not just from the foreshadowing from all these various characters, but also from the marketing of the film itself. Like the trailers, even the poster of the film makes it seem that something terrible is going to happen if they break this promise of taking care of these creatures, of feeding them every day. But we don't actually really get to see any cons uh, consequences come out of this. So it's kind of weird that like such an importance is placed on this one fact, but we don't see anything, anything really change with that. And that's a shame because uh, the Red Caps and the relationship with Maya uh, particularly is fascinating. Uh, it's something that I wish we got to explore much more than what we ultimately did. 
And this problem turns out to be confounded by the equally as interesting plot involving the Whelan family, again led by Cole Meany, who are hired to fix up Maya and Jamie's new home. Jamie is still dealing with the shame he feels from the attack that him and Maya suffered in London uh, and has been training himself to avoid something like that ever happening again. But this has also led to him developing some anger issues which come to a head multiple times with the Whelans. And we get it. Uh, you know, this attack, brutal at the start of the movie, and there's nothing really Jamie can do to protect himself or to protect Maya, so he takes that rather personally. It's even brought up in a conversation later on that, you know, he's a man and it's his job to protect his family, and he wasn't able to do that. And uh, I, I don't know. This, this, The focus on it seems like it was going to foreshadow Jamie finally, like, coming through and conquering his demons and saving the day, but it actually never comes... And if anything, Jamie's actually left off even worse by the time the film ends because he doesn't get to make, like, it's not his fault. What happened at the beginning of the movie is not Jamie's fault at all. But there's a lot of stuff that's set up to show that he's going to get some kind of redemption, and that redemption just doesn't happen. It literally does not come through at all, and it's a bit confusing, honestly. And it also leaves what we see as like the second part of the film or the second movie a bit lacking because it's clear that we're here for the Faustian bargain that's coming from the Red Caps that's going to get struck at some point. But the antagonistic relationship between the Whelans and Maya and Jamie is actually pretty damn engaging. So it's a shame that that movie couldn't be like its own thing because I really did enjoy seeing the Whelans having an issue with Maya and Jamie and seeing where that was going to end up going. And it kind of seems like the Red Cap story invades that and vice versa. And that's kind of where there are some balancing issues here with this film. Now, it should be pointed out that we're never given any firm reason why the Waylands are the way that they are. Uh, sometimes characters in horror are just evil or cruel just for the hell of it, just because that's the way that it is. But considering Maya and Jamie draw the ire from being accused of a crime that they never showed the family they were even capable of in the first place, you do feel a little bit cheated that, uh, that we don't know why this family is the way that they are. And that's something that definitely could have been could have been done just a little bit better, honestly. Now, I'm saying a lot of negative stuff. I do want to make sure to praise this film because I did enjoy this. And uh, some of the things this film does get right is a thrilling home invasion scene where our leads are forced to make some terrible choices in order to ensure their own safety. And I couldn't stop. But uh, I stopped myself from thinking of other films like Straw Dogs or The Strangers or even Eden Lake. Uh, when it came to our lead scratching and clawing to the best of their ability to survive this assault, though this definitely had a much more supernatural flair to it. This was uh, probably my favorite part of the movie is when the assault on the house begins up until the end of it is absolutely just the best part of this film. Um, and it, it, it really is thrilling. It really is captivating. And, you know, you're being pulled in a bunch of different directions because you don't know who is on whose side at that point, And you just know something terrible is going to come out of it. Like, you know, you absolutely know where the ending of the film is coming when the scene gets started. And that, I, I love it. I love the way that it all gets set up. Now, Hannah John Kamen has this terrific presence about her. And I really hope she gets a chance to be showcased in more movies to come. I feel like 
She's had, I unfortunately, it's not the right word because the movies that she's been in, I've really enjoyed. I like Ant-Man and the Wasp. I like Ready Player, uh, Ready Player One. I like Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. And I like this film. But I think that if you were to ask anybody else, they might point out some problems with the films that she's been in. So I really do hope that we get to see her in some more, I don't know, high, like higher, higher profile horror films, honestly, because she does such a great job in them. She has like such big expressions on her. I, I absolutely love her. Absolutely love her. I think she's fantastic uh, playing this desperate mother who'll do anything to keep her family safe. And another point is not that there's anything at all wrong with it, but you may find the look of the red caps uh, seem to be inspired by or at least share some similarities with the troll in uh, that old Stephen King movie, Cat's Eye. That's the one that Drew Barrymore in it where it's it's like an anthology story and the cat's trying to protect young Drew Barrymore from that troll. Uh, and the fact that, you know, both of these share, the red caps and the troll share a penchant for children, you can't really gloss over that either. Uh, getting to see these vicious little buggers uh, go on a bit of a rampage ended up being far more enjoyable than their attacking them solar vic uh, solo victims earlier on because we do get to see a little bit of them attacking victims earlier on there, but it's just not as creepy or as engaging as it is when these all-out assaults happen towards the end of the film itself. Uh, and Unwelcome actually is a bit of a bloody affair, which especially shines in the home invasion scene that I'm talking about. Whether it's the red caps or the assailants in the house uh, that Maya and Jamie are fighting off, we're talking knives, cleavers, shotguns, and there's actually like an evil dead like style of rain, <laughs> a blood rain that comes down as well too, leaving characters absolutely soaked. But a welcome actually manages to make this appropriate for the setting. It doesn't really seem to come off as gratuitous uh, because it wouldn't really fit the tone of the film if it's just gratuitous for the sake of it. But uh, realistically, given the like the violence that Maya and Jamie experienced at the beginning of the movie, uh, the violence of the intruders later on in this home invasion, everything seems to fall right in line with the movie itself. It's Almost a gothic fairy tale of sorts, and while Unwelcome may not bring anything uh, anything exceptional to an already amazing year of horror here in 2023, I think there's more than enough to enjoy in these two storybook tales to sit down and lose yourself in. You can check out Unwelcome right now. It's available to rent on streaming platforms. We'll be right back with my thoughts on the season finale of The Last of Us. Hey everybody, looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria magazine subscriptions as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop this is a great deal if you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription now is the time to do so head to shop.fangoria.com axdew okay welcome back folks we are here now talking about episode nine look for the light the season one finale of the last of us so if you recall in the previous episode, we left off with Ellie kind of having to fend for herself and ultimately kill uh, kill David 
who was this leader of this other group that her and Joel stumbled upon. And uh, her and Joel finally getting that connection that we've worked the whole season to get between the two. And episode nine uh, it does a great job with furthering this connection. Joel is just a complete about face. He's a 180 from the way that he's been with Ellie throughout the show. And I know we got glimpses of that over the last couple of episodes. They starting to lighten up and he's starting to grow that rapport with her. But this is a complete turnaround at that point to where they're friends. They're, they're family at this point. He truly does care about Ellie and everything with her and is very much thinking about, you know, the future that hold, the, what the future holds for the two of them together. And I think that's great work because we show that Joel, uh, no, no matter everything he's gone through, he's kind of able to push that to, to the side. This is something that he's taken on and has given him life again. It's a different Joel than what we've seen. And Pedro Pascal just has hope. He now has all this hope that Joel has never had before. Whereas Ellie, on the other hand, is very despondent from her uh, from her encounter with David. And that, that changed her even more in a way than we could have ever expected. And there's this really nice scene to where they, uh, that's recreated from the game where they come across uh, these giraffes uh, on their way to the hospital that just is absolutely beautiful. It was a real giraffe, by the way, too, as we found out in the behind the scenes feature that this was actually a real giraffe that the two of them were with, and it's just extremely cute. Um, but Joe and Ellie reach their destination. They get to the Fireflies, and we find out that it looks like there is a possible cure that can be used, uh, that, that can be created from Ellie. But the downside of this is that Ellie would have to die. Ellie would have to be killed in order for them to engineer this cure, as is the way with so many movies and TV shows of this type. And it puts us as the viewer in this tough predicament because this is the one thing that they've been fighting for. This is the one thing that they've been on this journey for and all the sacrifices that Joel and Ellie and Tess and everybody else has had to make has come down to this moment that they could potentially fix the world by trading Ellie's life for it. But Joel has hope. Joel has love and he cares for this girl and he's just not willing to trade one for the other and that says a lot because for Joel you know him and Ellie have had conversations about what they would do if they did find a cure if they were able to fix all of this but you never really think that Joel truly believes that Joel's kind of content in the world he lives in now no matter how vicious and brutal it is whereas Ellie Ellie is the one who really hoped that there was a way to get the world to whatever it was before she was born because as we see in this episode Ellie was born post-infection. Uh, Ashley Johnson, who actually played Ellie in The Last of Us video game, stars as Anna, Ellie's mother, who uh, delivers Ellie, but herself is bitten and unfortunately is killed by Marlene, who she prom makes promise to take care of Ellie for the rest of her life. And, you know, Ellie has no concept of the world prior to infection, prior to clickers and infected and all of that. So she doesn't have, uh, so she doesn't have that same connection, but yet... We've seen over the course of this show that she longs for something normal, for something that resembles a typical life that a little girl could possibly have. But after everything that happened with David, that's that's even that's double, that's multiplied at that point because you have to think that she believes this even more that people are terrible and doing these terrible things because they feel that they don't have a choice and that there's no reason that they shouldn't do it. 
So it's even more important to Ellie that she herself fixes this world so things like that don't have to continue happening. And whether it's a case of Joel, you know, Joel realizing that that's how the world always is, you know, whether it's one thing or the other, people are just going to do what they're going to do. Um, it, it's interesting and it's fascinating just to see the way that he plays that with Ellie and ultimately makes the decision that will have, uh, have vast consequences to come here in season two. This is great. And I think a lot of people are going to feel, uh, uh, will feel kind of cheated by this and might've been expecting something grander for a season finale. Like it does end rather abruptly, honestly, but that's the way that the game was as well too. Um, our catharsis, I think our true, our, our true epilogue or, you know, the, the, the crescendo of this was, uh, was really in the last episode. This episode kind of exists as an epilogue. In my opinion, this story exists as an epilogue because Joel finally breaking these walls down and him and Ellie connecting really was where we were trying to get the entire time. If you were looking for, uh, looking to see what's going to happen with this cure, I can't blame you, but I never saw that as that's the end game to this. I wanted to see these walls break down between those two and I got it. All I can tell y'all is that uh, season two is going to blow your mind. And it sucks that we're probably not going to get that until 2025, but it will be worth the wait, folks. So that is going to do it for me here tonight, folks. I appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and tell me in the comments what you thought of the Last of Us season finale. I'll be back here with another review. Remember, make sure you subscribe so you can find my Children of the Corn review. And also check out my review of Scream 6, folks. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Boy here is a big fan of Fangoria. So if you want to check out the world's best horror magazine that's out there, get a chance to get yourself your own subscription, which I just got my first one back in 2022, and I don't regret it for a second. But if you want your own Fangoria subscription or you like the Fangoria merchandise, then head over to the Fangoria shop and use my link if you want to save yourself some money, folks. That's an easy one to remember. Just go to shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. Again, that's shop.fangoria.com fangoria.com slash axdew or use my specific code axdew at checkout you can save 20% off your entire order and that implies two uh, subscription and one-time orders as well you don't want to miss out folks because with the magnitude of horror movies we've had released in the last few years and with what we have on the horizon fangoria is going to be your number one source for all that great juicy bloody information in the world of horror. So again, head to shop.fangoria.com. Hey there, folks. Thanks for tuning in to T-Watch This Scary Movie. I appreciate you checking out another review or movie news, whether we're talking movies, TV shows, books, or games, whatever. It's all scary. Remember, you can check out new episodes every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page video. That's youtube.com slash C slash Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Scary Movie. And you can check out the audio version on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search T Watch the Scary Movie or Twaza. Don't forget, my name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.